0: Please.
1: Welcome back to the next part of this Truth and Rhythm episode. Be sure to subscribe to this channel. If you've already done so, please share it with friends. Also, become a member by joining Truth and Rhythm on Patreon, or consider donating at FunkinStuff.net. Thank you so much for your interest and support. Enjoy.
2: As you mentioned, Omar, the label uh, kind of pressured you a little bit for hits on the on the. Uh, That's the one. Yeah.
0: The record. <laughs> that was and, the most pat. Yeah.
2: Uh, with your, your outfits, uh, from like Morocco, mentioned. from Morocco, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and uh, a... again, a really nice
0: fold, right? Right, right.
2: Um, so I mean, you, you guys had a couple of hits, but I mean, they still definitely had the full mandrel sound, as far as I'm concerned,
0: yeah, I agree, agree with that. Um
2: Fence walk and uh, hang loose that we mentioned already, but uh, hang loose, uh, really nice guitar soloing.
0: Thank you. Yeah,
2: I um, actually
0: get I guess I actually get the most comments from fence walk, from young young guitarists who heard me back then, young brothers who I had no clue, man. <laughs> As I joined Facebook, little by little, like all all these great guitar players uh, saying stuff like you know. Like ah, uh, I man, I don't want I don't want toot my horn too much, but the people would come up and say, Wow, you know, you you inspire me to play, or it really I, I learned your solos, fence walk was that solo was great, blah blah blah. <laughs> it's funny because when I was recording that solo, I I still want I, I still want to do like an overdub and stuff. <laughs> and then the and the producer said, No, man, that's cool, you're fine. <laughs> Perfectionist, I guess. You know. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Uh well it's just the solo is great, but also just the uh track is has such nasty syncopation. Oh man, and, yeah. And then you're you're soloing against those horns, you know. Mm,
0: yeah. I loved playing that live. It was such a thrill playing that one live, man. Oh yeah. Because you you know, you got that rhythm section and those horns blasting and you can really just like it's like pushes you, you know it pushes you to keep going and how, 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 how high can I take it How You know, not just literally high in pitch, but high energy and, and risks and stuff, you know?
2: So on that, by that third album, do you recall, you know, did you feel just more seasoned by then? And uh, what was the experience of, of creating it, you know, in terms of compared to, you know, like the first or second record?
0: Yeah, I think we were more seasoned and, um, like, like you know, we had the most success with that. You know, started playing bigger shows, and so we obviously saw this was a you know, the record company was correct. We should pick the directions. You know, that was that was good.
2: Don't mess with people. That's some real low down funk on that one too.
0: I I love that song, man. People don't know that song, you know. I love that song. It, it's Carlos came up with that first thing, uh, you know, ba-dum, 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 ba-dum. he came up with that riff, you know. I said, Wow, man, that's, I love this, you know. It, it, was, it was funky, funky as hell, that tune.
2: Yeah. And uh, your track, uh, uh, Golden Stone, you know, that's a real rocking one. You got some sizzling guitar in, in that too. Yeah. And then the, the sing songy stuff.
0: Yeah, that was that was the Wilson Brothers I think came up with the sing songy stuff, yeah. You know? <laughs> but uh it's a mix, that's always a mix of like because I thought the that straight on ahead thing uh was Beatle oriented. You know, it's like like almost like from it's getting better all the time song from the Beatles. And then Carlos decides to throw in this trombone that kind of makes it almost I don't know, circusy. <laughs> I wasn't crazy about it. That's all right, all right. Bam, you know, that trombone thing. But then uh, it's a serious tune, man. It's a serious, uh, the lyrics are serious. It's about people, uh, you know, dying from heroin. Man. It was just people dying from, from I was, seeing, I was seeing, when living in East Village, man, just seeing it all around, you know. So I said, a Golden Stone like being high on life kind of deal. And um, the musical influences also, believe it or not, there's John McLaughlin in there because of the uh, odd time signature I threw in the middle with the choruses are all in this odd time signature. They give it an interesting flavor, interesting feel. And the harmonies are cool. I, I really dug the harmonies. And Coffee does a great B3 solo in the middle of that song too. And, and then we um, had this crazy breakdown and then back into the tune. You know,
2: and that Neftali uh, joined the group on that one, right? So what happened? Why was there a change there?
0: I don't recall like, why Charles, Charlie Padre left. Uh, there was, I don't know. He just wanted to go do other stuff. You know, it was just something like that. And uh He's the one who brought Nefty to, to the show, to the band, at a show he met the him, and I guess they got to know each other, and he, he brought Nefty into the band.
2: And how did that change the dynamic, do you think?
0: Well, Nefty was a really solid groove drummer, you know? So uh, I think he was perfect for the, the funk direction we were going in, I think. Really, yeah, really solid, really
2: solid drama. So uh Omar, what transpired after that record? Um, which you guys were like at your zenith really, um, at that point, and um somehow, some way you started distancing yourself a little bit. Um well, What what happened?
0: Yeah, yeah. This is uh I always I, I get always asked that. Well, um, I was really super influenced by um, John McLaughlin and the Mahavishan Orchestra. And uh, I felt like I wanted to do more of that jazz rock fusion, you know. And uh, so that's the main reason I left the band and um, also got into this whole guru meditation group, you know, with McLaughlin, Santana, Narada, Michael Walden. And um, so I formed a band. I formed a band. I had Actually, Narada was my drummer for a while until the Mahavishnu Orchestra broke up, and I had a good band going. And uh, we were starting to, you know, put a bunch of uh, tunes together and maybe try to get signed. But the Mahavishnu Orchestra broke up, and uh, I brought me to a drummer like him, so he he got Narada, you know. so the, uh, then I went through a few years where I kind of just really left the business when because um, I couldn't get signed. You know, I, tried, I had this jazz rock stuff. I, I went on with other musicians doing this jazz rock music. But uh, disco hit, and, like, I don't know, I just couldn't uh, get anywhere with that project. And also the spiritual aspect of me. I was deeply into this thing, you know where I was just playing music, like kind of new age. I then formed my own new age band, and I was just playing new age stuff up at Columbia University and stuff like that, chapels. And just, uh, it was an interesting uh, part of my life, but it, it, it was fulfilling in another way. It wasn't big crowds and all that, but there was a depth to it in my heart and my soul that I felt from it as well you know, and uh, I don't know. <clears throat> so that's, that's the reason I left basically. And uh,
2: were, were they, were they surprised or shocked or?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was disappointment. It was disappointment that I was leaving. Yeah. So Sometimes I question it. So should I have stayed on longer? You know, you always kind of like, you know, think back about things like, you know, decisions you've made in your life but uh that's i did what i did yeah
2: <laughs> yeah um well because when i've read about it you know they say it was a spiritual uh decision or you know that kind of thing and it sounds like that definitely was part of it
0: that was definitely uh, part of it that was definitely part of it yes absolutely definitely a part of it
2: had you become a little disillusioned uh, from just the the grandiose giant shows and the whole scene of that
0: in a way, yeah. In a way, um, in a way, I, I wanted to do a different kind of music, and 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 this, I guess, I, I don't know how to describe it, but um, that's probably part of it. But I would I would have done gladly done it with a, you know a big scenario with a, with a jazz rock band. So I can't say it was the venues and, you know, size of the venues or anything like that. It's just like I wanted to do different, something different musically.
2: What What do you think of the Just Outside of Town album, you know, being that you just had the one track? Um, how'd you feel about that project?
0: Well, when I went back and played that, album with them live and stuff I, I appreciate it i i think that mango meat song is a great song so uh i had fun playing with playing with them in germany and all that in amsterdam and playing some of those tracks
2: yeah so you, you had your like swan song so to speak right with it the...
0: well that's what they say with that i you know i had what happened was uh I said, I, I'm, I'm leaving after this third album. And then and then I was approached by Carlos saying, oh man, the record company said they already printed up these covers for the album and they are on it, you know? And I said, okay, well then, can I put a song on there then, you know? I guess, you know, it's a, we did that uh, out in Sound City, it, that really great studio in California. And uh, it's a very, um uh, I say, for lack of a better word, it's, it has a spiritual feeling to it, you know. And some people call it my swan song. I don't know. <laughs> a...
2: But that record, the cover was shot in Century City. Is that right, L.A.?
0: Yeah, somewhere out there. I, I don't know.
2: <laughs> somewhere
0: out there. I don't remember, the. But...
2: I just read that recently. I didn't know because I'm from Los Angeles. Oh, you are. Yeah.
0: Okay. Oh, I see the Lakers out.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I'm a Miami Heat fan, man. Watch out. (laughs) (laughs) You got it. You got our LeBron.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Well. Anyway. (laughs) How how would you describe your electric guitar playing style? You know, is there a signature element of it that you think makes it? identifiable and unique and what what would that be
0: i think i because i have a different influences when i play definitely um Carlos is definitely in there you know because it's i like the heart of like how he plays with heart and so and then i love the speed of a, of a mcLaughlin you know and 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 the, and the feel of a blues player like BB king or something you know it's so I just try to do it uh, my way, whereas, you know, heart and feel come first, has to come first. And, you know, you don't want to just be doing a bunch of licks for the hell of it. You know, you got to feel it. If, OK, if you feel like doing a, a hundred licks like that, great. But you got to feel it. That's the bottom line, because right? if you feel it, the audience will feel it. And that's what it's all about
2: what was your go-to electric
1: guitar
0: well uh i had uh, quite a few but um the one for fence walk was a Les Paul junior west Paul Jun- uh, special single cutaway it was a great guitar you know and uh i mean i had gills when i grew up my first my first guitar was brought by my mom because there was a Guild factory in Hoboken, New Jersey, and uh she knew somebody who worked there, so I got my first guitar single pickup, Guild, uh semi hollow for 80 bucks. Yeah.
2: <laughs> wow, that's a better start than most have. <laughs>
0: that's true. I had that yeah. for quite a while, then I got the SG, SG for the first album and second album, too, I think. <clears throat>
2: Did you uh keep Tabs on, or keep track of, you know, what Mandrill's path was after you were out of that picture. I mean, uh, because they really ended up shortly after that being just the Wilson brothers, basically, mm-hmm. and then different players, and um, yeah, for, you know, it was definitely a different scene uh, shortly after you were gone.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I when I was in that spiritual path, we um, hardly listened to the radio even you know, it was, it was like a real serious thing. I was in no dancing. No I'm listen, <laughs> you name it and uh, playing my new age stuff. And, uh, I didn't really, I didn't really follow, especially disco music hit and stuff. I, I, I didn't really follow it much until later on in the seventies. I started to get the itch to start playing again. And I, I formed a band, um, in the early eighties, I almost got signed to Capitol. Um, Bo Ray Fleming, uh, Mandrell's manager brought us into electric lady land again. And we did a whole album there. It was kind of like pop R and B band. It was seven pieces. We had, and, um, no horns, but we had these uh, couple Puerto Rican couple who are great background singers. So had these great harmonies and funky and pop melodic music, I would say. Right. And, uh, he brought a, we recorded a whole album there that he, um, Rented out Studio Fifty Four. We did a showcase there, and the VP was supposed to show, and he never did. <laughs> you know, uh, he shall be, be named unnamed, and brought us uh, had us go into a studio, just a little rehearsal studio, and sent three guys to listen to us. And it wasn't the same, man. We just we played on set to three people, no audience, no no foot tapping, no nothing. And uh, two out of three of them wanted to sign us, but the third didn't. And uh, that was it, didn't didn't, didn't make it to Capitol. But I've always kept Mm -hmm. playing music, you know. I've always kept playing music after that. After the 80s, I got back into it. I moved to Miami in uh, 89, and I actually wound up playing six nights a week with a Brazilian band. But I had never played Brazilian music before, <laughs> and that was a, an amazing experience because I learned all these jazzy type chords. Which, as a matter of fact, in my song uh, "I Love Zero Nine, Word, I, I um, institute some of these jazzy chords. You know.
2: <clears throat> so the Brazilian was electric. Or are you playing acoustic on that? Uh,
0: I was playing electric and. The, there was another fellow playing uh, acoustic. And yeah, from the 80s on then, I, I got exposed to a, a lot of, again, other, you know, Brazilian and other kinds of music, Latin jazz down here. I was, I was, I got to jam with some great Latin jazz musicians. <clears throat> so it, it, it expanded uh, the way I play or some of the uh, songs I've been trying to work on.
2: So you have the, uh, the new song and, um, you know, I saw you had actually uh, released uh, Parade, uh, Paradise Central was a project that you did in um, 1999,
0: right? Yeah, it was like a, it's like more like a, a demo project that I threw out there because I was helping to uh, get a producer or something to bring me into a major studio. So it was on like uh, half of that album was done like a uh, eight track studio, you know, and uh, the other half was in a sixteen track one inch tape, and um, so it wasn't like the best quality uh, sonically as to like compare today with you know, or having been in a twenty four track studio. So I actually actually recently told them to take it down. I, I don't want it out there, you know, because of that. And I'm starting anew with these this new song and uh, see what other ideas I have that I want to
2: record. What was the inspiration and process of of creating the new song?
0: Well, it was one of the songs from the original demo there. I remade it and I just wanted to modernize it, make it funkier and uh, just record it better. And just uh, so that's basically it, you know, come up with a better product, and been getting good feedback from people.
2: What do you think, though, Omar? Is it about you know now that you feel inspired to to pursue that?
0: Well, uh, you know, I'm a songwriter, a musician. You got to, you know, continue. Got to keep going. And to people who followed Mandrill, I mean. They haven't heard anything from me, really, you know. And so I wanted to um, get something out there. Here, you know, like here I am, you know. <laughs> I'm still here, and this is what I like to do. And I, I you know, I almost felt like uh, because yes, the compliments come from from mandrel of, of my playing and this and that, but you almost feel like you're frozen in time, you know, as an artist if if it's if you're only uh, relying on you old stuff so as a creative person you want to create you want to, you want to do things you want to share and and if it gives people joy that's all the better man right? that's the best that's a great thing
2: so you're getting a good response it seems to me on the yeah. record right
0: yeah so far so good yeah uh,
2: what do you think this might lead to for you
0: I have no idea <laughs> <laughs> I'm just throwing it out and whatever happens
2: <clears throat> you feel like you'd like to do a full record or uh, and and perform or
0: well one at a time I don't know I'm just thinking one thing at a time yeah. and now it's like I've become like a promoter I've been sending emails to uh, stations I'm getting on some like 10 different stations now of just uh, public and internet shows and uh, that I Done myself by promoting myself, but uh, it's I haven't done any music so to do that, so it's it's a rough, you know, so it's, it's a lot of work to promote all that stuff. I'm gonna have to balance that and then record new stuff, practice. I mean, it's a juggling act. You know. I'm hoping yeah. that, hoping perhaps I don't know, a label or a producer or whatever picks up on it, or you know, or some Spotify. Uh, curator or whatever they call them I'm learning about the whole streaming business
2: (laughs) yeah things have changed a lot like you said you know uh, back then the gatefolds and getting immersed in it and reading all the notes on the record and just that whole experience in the big stereo system and now it's just you know stream listen to it on the go and
0: yeah um, a little on head little headphones and that's it you know
2: and, you know, probably not know who's involved except for maybe just the main name that's, you know, on it.
0: Yeah. I mean, and like for years, our cars don't even have CD players that they're making. You know, it's crazy. So that's why I decided though, I'm just going to release digitally. If uh, if an album comes out as of uh, recording a few of them, then maybe. But uh, I'm probably going to stay in the digital world because it doesn't seem uh, really... Profitable or even uh, feasible, if if you know you're gonna, you gonna make a bunch of CDs that nobody can play in your car. I guess you don't have CD players at home, but, but you, a lot of people I know, and I used to have uh, a CD player in my car. You know, so.
2: And and yet you know, original vinyl, like I was holding up of those early records, that's very coveted. You know, people uh, now really true. want those too.
0: Yeah, it's coming back. They say. But I don't know uh, how many people are actually buying turntips. So, you know, I don't know. It's a yeah. whole new world.
2: The connoisseurs, yes. Um, what inspired the uh, lyrics of, of I Love the Way You Read My Mind? Was that a particular person? Uh...
0: Well, it's, yeah, it's a relationship, you know, um a song where, where you're so close that you're reading each other's thoughts and finish each other's sentences. Mm. And then the bridge actually can a bit more expensive. It could apply to a friend where, you know, where it's about heart, you know, it's about the the words uh, can be like an obstacle, but it's all about heart, all about the heart.
2: I wish you continued success with it, uh, Omar, and hope there's going to be more to come. What, uh, one or two mandrel tracks are your personal favorites and why well
0: uh, i do love fence walk i mean that's fantastic <laughs> i love i love don't mess with people when you said that you mentioned i love that funky track and I, I dig my own song uh golden stone that's i thought that was a cool came out really good um and, and the original song that uh, put us us on the map of bit, mandrill the the percussion that was uh, always great to play live uh, I'll say I'll say that was my favorite live almost you know because of the percussion and uh, the the songs that got the people going I mean uh, ape is high uh, that that would get the crowd going like crazy <laughs> so. <laughs> so. It's hard to pick one, Scott. I don't know. What can I tell
2: you? <laughs> we make good cases for several. Um, <laughs> did the uh, name of the song or the name of the band come first, Mandrill?
0: Oh, um, the the name of the band came um, after the song, I think, because um I actually started that that song with a jam. You know, I started with the a C minor mm-hmm. ninth half and a half step up and back down, and then foot. it was Bundy, but he started kicking in, and we, we all jammed on that song for a bit, and that's, and it was, uh, then we arranged it, and it became an actual song, but the uh, Charlie Padro, the drummer, is the one who came in one day and said, hey man, I just went to the Central Park Zoo, and I saw this amazing animal, it's called the mandrill, and he was telling us all about it, about the, how it looks, the colors, and, And the aspects of it—how it's a um, an animal that they stick together, and they'll, you know, they'll look out for each other. They'll fight together. You know, like there was something about the animal. And uh, being an African baboon, it was uh, in the Santana kind of deal, you know, the African percussion or whatever had that vibe. So that's why we we took the name. It's striking. Also, so was uh, people would say, wow, that's a great marketing thing—the striking look on that on that first cover." You know, it would it would uh, get people uh, attention right away.
2: I, I think the group has one of the rare distinctions of having you know the same name, album, song, and band right out of the gate.
0: Yeah, that's true.
2: Do you feel that um, Mandel receives the the credit and acclaim? that it should?
0: No, definitely not. <clears throat> I mean, we've been sampled by over 200 artists and uh, we've been sampled by people who are on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. <laughs> and uh, I, I joke with friends that uh, we're so unsung that we're not on unsung, un- unsung, you know. <laughs> So, I, yeah, I, th- I I think we should uh, get more um, respect. I mean, well, the fans say that about us. If you look at, you know, comments on YouTube and Facebook and stuff, the, the fans are the ones who say that really even more than we do.
2: Yeah, well, there's a lot of uh, funk. Gr- if you're talking about like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, there's a whole big issue with that, with funk groups, for sure. And Mandrills, you know, part of that. Yeah. On the other hand, how surprised are you that the music endures like it does or has?
0: Um, well, it is, it is surprising when, um, well, I guess it's like parents <laughs> will play it for their kids and, and some of them pick up on it, you know. They, they dig the rhythm, they dig you know, the funk. I mean, there's uh There's something lasting about that that rhythm and how it gets you, you know, the groove. So I'm not totally surprised.
2: You just think about, I just don't see how a mandrel could, you know, get over in today's market. You know, I mean, Mm. everything is so um, segmented. You segmented,
0: know? yes, exactly. And that is a sad part about the business, how things have gone like that. So even crowds, I mean, I remember when Sly or we played live, I mean, there was a really massive integration of integrated audiences and all that. We are like one, you know. And now it's like more segregated, it seems to me. Um, and that's uh, caused by the 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 business. The business does that. Business segments and compartmentalizes acts. You know, it's a it's a it, that part of it is a bit disappointing. Yeah.
2: Yeah, fifty years later, and it seems like it's gone backwards. Yeah. Um. Last thing i like to ask is, you know, if you only could have five albums, uh, none that you participated in on a desert island somewhere to, to <laughs> listen to, um, what, what might those five five be? Oh, man, jeez.
0: Well, I'll say uh, Sly. And uh, I'll, I'll pick artist Sly, The Beatles. Santana, John McLaughlin, and Stevie Wonder. (laughs) I'll take those five.
2: Yeah, well, those are all-time classics. Um, Rock, funk, Latin, (laughs) you got it, Soul, you got it all in there. There we go. (laughs) Right? Yeah. So how can uh, folks... Keep up with what you're up to, and you know how can they get the single and all that.
0: I'm on the uh, streaming services, I'm on all those streaming services, and uh, I've a I just created a Twitter account uh, um, at Omar Mesa Music, and I'm on Facebook.
2: And the song, again, is called I Love the Way You Read My Mind. That's it. Yeah. And uh, it's a catchy chorus, too. Thanks. Yeah, hey, some, oh,
0: people, some people have said, um, a couple of people have said, Earth, Wind, and Fire and Steely Dan. I don't know, <laughs> for the lack of a better term.
2: Yeah, we can't go wrong with those two. No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's true.
2: Wow. Is there anything else you'd like to get as a message to fans before we uh, conclude?
0: No, I, I can't think of anything right now. I appreciate you having me on the show, man. That's fantastic.
2: My pleasure. we have been communicating long enough. It's about time that we actually converse yeah, directly, you know?
0: That's true, man. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: Thanks. I really appreciate it. And good luck to you and your shows and your uh, endeavors. Thank you. All
2: right, All right. Omar. All right. in touch. Take care.
1: So long, brother. Okay. Bye. bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Truth and Rhythm. A big thank you goes out to our guest, as well as to you, the viewer and listener. Also, much gratitude to Pleasure for supplying the show's funky opening and closing music. As a reminder, you can always access the complete list of linked shows by episode at FunkandStuff.net. I urge you to support this program and receive the extra benefits along with that by subscribing to the funk and Stuff channel on YouTube and sharing it with funk, R&B, and jazz lovers. Joining Truth and Rhythms membership program at Patreon, submitting a donation at FunkinStuff.net, buying everything is on the one, the first guide to funk book at Amazon, shopping at the Funky Things store for cool merchandise at FunkinStuff.net, and linking through FunkinStuff.net for all of your Amazon purchases. In addition. And as always, this is Scott Dr. GX find saying, keep on vibing to the rhythm of the